Oh, guys, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate that and getting out and fighting the cold and being here this morning to lead us out. Well, today uh, we're going to continue on in this series called Prognosis. And I want to begin this week uh, similarly to the way we began the last couple weeks. And uh, it's this prayer of David. It's found in Psalm 39. And it says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. Man, such good news in there. My life is no longer than the width of my hand and an entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. Hmm. I want us to pray this first line together. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. As you're sitting there in your living room today, just say those words with me. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Because here's the truth. No matter how much time we get, it's going to feel too short, isn't it? That's kind of the way it works. And we know that the older we get. And if that's the case, then how do we make sure that our prognosis to recover our life we have the best prognosis possible, recovering it from this global pandemic and this contentious election and the civic unrest that's going on. How are we going to do that? Well, Brian kicked this off last, uh, two weeks ago, and he challenged us to get intentional about learning from Jesus how to be fully in the present moment, how to be full and present in the present moment, because living a better now gives us the best opportunity to live a better tomorrow, a better future. And last week, Leslie said, how can I leave a godly legacy for future generations? So not just for me, not about my tomorrow, but about others tomorrow. And today, I want us to wrestle with this question. How can I fight for peace in my relationships? Because in our current climate, I, I just, I can't even imagine that every single one of us, all of our relationships are just perfect. I think there's some potential that at least some of our relationships are not where they should be, and maybe for whatever reason, you've let politics or the pandemic or personal preferences or whatever kind of take priority over your relationships. But here's what Jesus says about relationships. He says they're important. As a matter of fact, he said they're the most important thing. Listen to these words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. Jesus is teaching us here, and he's saying that for us, relationships were created for relationships. And he's saying that our prognosis, our quality of life, is tightly tied to those relationships. We're designed for connection. We're designed for relationship, to be in relationship with other people. And I know that most of us have at least a relationship or two that are broken or messed up. Something happened along the way, and now instead of health, there's bitterness or a grudge that's starting to set in. Or maybe there's just kind of some uncomfortable silence, and you just don't quite sure you know what's going on. And it leaves you wondering, how do I even fight for peace in my relationship? Well, Paul tells us this. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So what he's saying is, as much as it's up to you. So we can't right other people's wrongs, right? We can't, we can't step in and, and do what other people can do, but we can do our part. So as much as it's up to us, 
we need to right those relationships. And unity isn't uniformity. So I don't have to agree with you, and you don't have to agree with me, and that's great. But we do have to be unified together. So if our relationships define our lives and we want prognosis for real life, better life, like God wants for us, then we have to fight for peace in our relationships. So how do we fight for peace? I'm going to give you three things that you can put in action tomorrow. Yes, this week to begin to fight for peace in your relationships. And here's the first one. Love deeply. We have to love deeply. If you take a good look at our world and in our our culture, it's not going to really teach us like how to love deeply. I mean, there's some good country songs out there that they come close, all right? And we have songs like Love Potion Number 9 and B-52's Love Shack, Baby. Bon Jovi, You Give Love a Bad Name. I know I'm naming older songs. I'm in my 40s. you got to give me a break. And I know there's some people that still think the song, whoop, there it is, is a love song. Fellas, it's February 14th. I tried that last night. It's not a love song. You're not going to get anywhere with that. 1 Peter 4.8 says this. Above all... Love each other deeply. That word's important. Not just love each other. Love each other deeply. That means above your self-centeredness, above your political views, above your own comfort and lifestyle, above everything, love each other deeply. Now, we know how to love in a shallow way. What that looks like is, hey, you've made me mad, so I'm just going to kind of like put up a wall and like push you away, or you've offended me. You're no longer in my circle. That's shallow love. God says love deeply. And I know when we talk about a subject like this and we talk about loving deeply, you might be saying, hey, I've tried that many times and I've gotten hurt. I'm never doing it again. Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have that option. Okay? God's not giving us that option. He says that our lives are defined by our relationships and he's calling us to love. And look what Peter says next. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love has the power to cover what others do to us. Love has the power to cover what, others, uh, what we've done to others. It's this supernatural power that Jesus gives us through his example of love. So here's a question. Whom do you need to love more deeply? Because if we're going to fight for peace, we have to love deeply. And then the second thing is we need to call in humbly. Look what Jesus says about relational reconciliation. You've heard this scripture before. He says, therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Basically, what Jesus is saying is there's a direct correlation between the quality of your relationship with others and your quality of your relationship with him. He's saying if you want things to be good vertically between you and him, then things have to be good horizontally between you and others. It's pretty straightforward. Now, as a pastor, one of the things that we get to do that that we really do enjoy getting to see take place is helping people walk through uh, relational reconciliation, to see them on the other side of this of what this could look like. And I've seen so many instances, I've seen different instances when people engaged well in this way, a good call-in moment, and I've also seen places when they didn't. But when truth was spoken in love and humility, it's almost always a different outcome. John 1.4 says, 
the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to show you uh, something we're using in our discipleship groups uh, that we meet uh, every week, and this is called the Grace and Truth Matrix. So you're going to probably pull it up on your screen. You're probably seeing that right now, and maybe not me. So I'm going to look over here at the other screen. And what you'll see is you'll see this high grace, low grace, high truth, low truth. And I love this because when I'm talking about call-in, this is the beauty of this. Call-in is in the upper right-hand corner. 100% grace, 100% truth, and that's where we live in the call-in. That's where we live with Jesus. And too many times what happens is if somebody is uh, high truth, low grace, it's a call-out moment. You've been a part of those? That overpowers others. Or we get to a place we just want to avoid it all. That's hangout. That disempowers others. Low truth, low gr- or high grace. Or a place where you just check out and you're withholding power for yourself. You just don't really care anymore. We want to be in call-in. A call-in mode. So what does it look like? Who do you have in your life that you need to have a call-in moment with? Maybe it's somebody in your family. It's your mom, your dad, a brother, sister. Maybe it's your spouse, a close friend, a co-worker. But in order for God to bring peace and healing in a relationship, typically conversation always precedes the healing, always. And a lot of times we just want to, we want to get to the healing without that. We just want to, you know, be able to sing friends and friends forever, hold hands and be good, right? But we have to have the conversations. So who is God asking you to have a call-in moment with? Who is that person? Do it humbly. Don't do it out of arrogance or out of spite or out of anger. Here's what you can do. Allow God to meet you in reality in that relationship. Know that he's at work and that he cares about your relationships more than you do. And allow him to work in and through you to reconcile that relationship. If we're going to fight for peace, we have to love like we've never loved before. We have to have a call-in moment, call-in humbly. And I also understand, like, that doesn't always work, right? So you're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But what do we do when we both fail? Because I'm not perfect, they're not perfect. What happens when, like, we've just been in call out or we just go to check out? We just don't get any of that right. What do we do then? We forgive irrationally. That's the third thing. Forgiveness is not easy, is it? But we forgive irrationally. Colossians 3 says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And there's one word in there that really begins to be a huge problem. And it's that word, whatever. Whatever. Say whatever with me. Whatever. So we forgive whatever? Like, really? Yeah. That's why it's called irrational forgiveness. And I know some of you have uh, experience some things in your life that's really difficult and traumatic and maybe some abuse. And, and I get that. I've gone through some traumatic and abusive things in my life. And what I want you to remember is that uh, forgiveness doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you just take the abuse. Matter of fact, if you're in an abusive relationship, we always say get out of the abusive relationship. Call for some help. Let one of your pastors know. Get somebody in there in that relationship so you can get some healing from that. So you're not responsible for what somebody else does. 
But here's what forgiveness is. It's something that can happen no matter the circumstances. It can happen in your heart, given time, and possibly some counseling that might help. And you may be asking that question, yeah, but how do I forgive somebody who's really, hurt, who, who's really abused me? How, how do I forgive somebody who's like trashed my name and they've gossiped about me and I hear them talking behind my back and I know so many things, like they've destroyed my reputation. Like how do I forgive them? Colossians 3, next part of that says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Hmm. So what has God forgiven you? Forgiven you for anger? He forgives us for lust. He forgives us for addictions and manipulation and control and on and on and on. And not only like he forgives us once, but continually, over and over again. Have you ever done something and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, I was so stupid. I'll never do that again. You ever do that? Lord, forgive me, I'll never do it again. You know what happens the next day? You do it again. It happens over and over, and I'm blown away at the forgiveness of Jesus over and over and over. And we can't say, oh, God, thank you so much for forgiving me, but, man, I'm telling you what, don't expect me to forgive that person. We can't do that. Listen, Jesus was arrested, betrayed by his best friend, taken to court, judged guilty for crimes that he never even committed. He was beaten beyond recognition. They made him carry his instrument of torture to his own place of death, They put a crown of thorns on his head, slammed spikes into his hands and feet, hung him naked on a cross for the whole world to see. They laughed and they spit at him. They made fun of him. And do you remember what his final words were? Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. Irrational forgiveness. So when we get to the place where we're getting it all wrong, we just step back and we forgive irrationally. That's our example. Jesus faced sin and death and hell so that we could have peace and he showed us how to forgive. So, here's another question. Who do you need to forgive? Maybe think of that person right now. You probably already know who they are. Who do you need to forgive? And here's a great follow-up question to that. From whom do you need to ask for forgiveness? Because nine times out of ten, That's a made-up statistic right there. One, you're probably the one that's actually hurt someone else. You're the one that's gossiped about somebody else. You've also lied or done something else in the relationship. So maybe, yes, who do you need to forgive, but whom do you need to actually ask forgiveness for? Here's the deal. Do it today. Well, it's cold outside. Well, we got phones. Shoot them a text. Give them a call. FaceTime them. Life is short. Don't let another minute go by without offering forgiveness or asking for forgiveness. Because life is about relationships, okay? And sometimes we have to fight for peace in those relationships. So every week in this series, uh, we've been hearing uh, a story, prognosis story, uh, from one of our heitzers. And we have uh, one of our heitzers with us this morning. Christine, why don't you go ahead and come on up? Grab a stool. Appreciate you coming out. It's a cold day. Yeah, Your is. husband bringing you in here. That's good. Yeah. Not that you needed a man to bring you in here. You could have done <laughs> it on your own, I'm sure. Uh, but Christine, you have your story 
is, uh, it has a lot of relational history, right? Yes. So we're talking about um, this idea of fighting for relationships and relationships matter. Catch us up a little bit on, I know stools aren't as comfortable as they look, right? Well, I'm kind of... Catch us up a little bit on um, what took place in your relationships to get to the place where they actually needed some healing. So catch us up, like the last decade or so maybe. Uh, okay. What took place? All right. Well, uh, the last decade, uh, um, I abandoned my husband. I abandoned my children. And my family shunned me. Mm. Um, so uh, that's what happened in the last decade. <laughs> Let's <laughs> go a decade before that. I mean, what, what, where did well, all that lead? I mean, you know, when something like that happens, I mean, what, what took place to get you to that place? Like, what, what caused abandonment? Where do, I, you mean I went to prison? Yeah, I mean, it was, okay. talk, talk to us a little bit about that. You know? Okay. Um, in uh, 1996, I left my husband, Donald, at the time, uh, and took my four children, and I, I, I left him. Um, our, our relationship was in a bad place. Um, and uh, I just started making one bad decision after another, uh, drugs, alcohol, um, you know. Um, so that was in 1996. In um, about 1998, I let the children go back to him. And um, started living a horrible life. And that led to? And that led to uh, DUI after DUI after Mm. felony DUIs, um, weapons charges. um, And I ended up in prison the first time in 2006. Gotcha. And when we were talking a little bit about your story this week, you were telling me um, kind of this turning point. And it was a turning point in prison that, yes. you know, and, and you, you've, you'd had some, and you'd even tried a little bit of reconciliation at one yes. point in time mm-hmm. and that kind of fell flat. And then there was a little bit of a turning point. T- talk to us about what okay. took place within you. Okay. Um, uh, I got out of prison the first time in 2006, um, uh, tried to live a good life. You know, I've been in church my whole life, um, knew God. (laughs) Anyway, um, in around 2008, um, my children, two of my youngest children decided that, you know, I had made my decisions. They were becoming teenagers. Uh, They wanted to just kind of break things off with me. You know, mom, you've not been in our life. Um, Well, that was the kick I needed just to go, okay, um, I'm going to get back on drugs. I'm going to drink, you know, try to find the bottom of the bottle, uh, that whole thing. Uh, well, I ended up um, breaking some laws. I ended up back in prison mm-hmm. in 2010. While I was in prison in 2010, I stopped fighting. I had an opportunity to uh, sit and be quiet and um, spend a lot of time with the Lord. Um, And he just showed me that I had to stop using my past as a crutch, as an excuse. Um, And I did that. I 
I, I laid my children and my ex-husband, I laid them at the altar like it said, like you said earlier. And um, from there, he started showing me, you know, what I had to do. I had to let him work and I had to get out of his way. I had to get out of God's way. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, we, we talk about in, in our discipleship groups, we talk about getting the wanter on the table. You know, that Jesus has a great way of getting to the place where we really want something in a different way. Right. And it sounds like you got to a place where you wanted that more than anything else. Yes. And begin to set that down. And it's amazing whenever we put our wants there and allow God to work in our wants, that he begins to transform something in our hearts. And often that's where we're talking about this today, about how do we fight for those relationships? Because ultimately we have to want it first to, to allow God to work in that. And it sounds like sure. there's some transformation oh. that begin to work in you. So he could transform some things in you to move on to those relationships. And we also know that he's working all the time. So I'm sure he was already working on your relationships. Yeah. And, you weren't, and, you, and you were giving them up at that point, which yes. is great. So it's yes. like God's yeah. working while he's, while he's working yeah. on you. I didn't know the depth of, like you said, my wants were his wants. Yeah. But I didn't know it. Yeah. I was thinking uh, in the flesh, like, Lord, you just want me to leave him alone. You just want me not to pursue my ex-husband who I knew we were meant to be together. You know, okay then, okay. Yeah. And I laid it down. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to fast forward a little bit because here you are now. So <laughs> this is part of your story that a lot of people may not know. And here they know it for the first time. And I had an opportunity to reunite you and Donald in marriage. Yes, you, you did. Know, a few years back. Uh, yes, you did. We were all a little younger then. But here you are now living on the other side of this. So like looking at your relationships, there's a lot of restoration that took place. There's a lot of peace in some of those, you know? So how did, how did that happen? How'd you go from there to here? Um, well, I got out of prison. I was in Oklahoma at this time. That's where Donald and I are from. Um, I got out of prison in 2012, um, resigned to... Um, not contact my children, not contact my family. I had had no contact. I hadn't spoke with Donald in 16 years. Wow. Spoke to him ever. We never spoke. The kids I hadn't spoke to in probably four to seven years. We have four children, so in between there, uh, four to seven years between the four kids. Uh, but I had a best friend who stuck with me. Um, anyway, uh, when I got out of prison in 2012, God blessed me with what I call um, a freedom trip. We took 30 days, my best friend and I, and we traveled all over. Um, but like I said, I, I got out of prison not going to let the disappointment of the past rule my future, you yeah. know, and the, the failures or however you want to look at it. Um, all brought on by myself. <laughs> um, I was just going to move forward with God um, and seek his wisdom and, you know, see what I needed to do. Three weeks out of prison, our oldest daughter calls me, and I couldn't believe it. I almost wrecked. I, like, I whooped over to the ditch, and I was shaking and crying. I hadn't talked to her since um, her graduation in 2008, eight, four years. <laughs> so um, I couldn't believe it. She was already a mother. I was a grandmother. I didn't know it. Um, but she told me some things about her dad and um, about her siblings. 
And um, I just said, well, you know, we'll just see what happens. It wasn't too long after that, Donald, maybe, I don't know, a week, Donald and I spoke to each other for the first time in 16 years. Mm. And um, a few months later, well, in July, we were married. <laughs> and so since that point, man, has there been some restoration? Um, it has not been easy. Mm. It has not been easy. It took my kids a while to forgive me. But I got the opportunity to ask them. So that release was already given to me. I already had peace. Yeah. No matter what they chose, I already had peace. So um, here, nine years later, we sat with almost 16 grandchildren. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and um, we actually have a great-grandchild on the way in August. But... Um, Anyway, uh, peace is an ongoing thing. Um, forgiveness is an ongoing thing. As a lot of years, you know, went by where there was none. Yeah. So things creep up. Yeah. Mm. You said something in there that I just have a, a simple follow-up question for. You said it's not been easy. Has it been worth it? Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. just to see your guys' life and to yeah. know. Uh, the joy that comes out of your family and the legacy that you guys are yes. leaving. We're talking about yes. leaving a legacy and a prognosis of a better life and not just for you, but future generations and relationships. And relationships are a big part of that. Oh, and they're A little everything. bit of backstory mm -hmm. that, that some of you don't know. She's talking about her friend. This friend is, uh, she calls her anchor because she's been an anchor for her. And uh, she, she loved Christine through so many difficult parts of her life and was a big part of helping her get to those things. And it's amazing how a relational world isn't just about, oh, this one person and how do I need to solve this, but it goes so deep. And to know that when you talked about forgiveness, this isn't just because you wanted the relationship and you wanted to fight for peace in it. It was because they wanted to fight for peace as well. Sure. And you did have to get to common ground. There's a lot to forgive, right? Yeah. A whole lot to forgive. And it's still just, yeah. I mean, you can imagine the damage that was done. Oh. Like I told you uh, the other day on the phone, I can't speak for my children. I can't speak for Donald on where they're at as far as their peace. Yeah. But I think we're, we're getting there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all getting so there. So if you could describe your and Donald's relationship right now in a few sentences, how would you, how'd you describe that? Well, I kind of just said it. Uh, peace? Peace. Uh, it, it's, it's a daily thing okay. because there was a lot of damage done between the two. Yeah. And that creeps up when we don't expect it to. Um, and, and you just, like you said, unconditional forgiveness. I mean, you don't even, you don't even, Think about the depth of the hurt, the pain. Mm -hmm. You just forgive it. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. I mean, awesome. like, there isn't a choice. So we just, I think, forgive each other daily. Yeah. Daily. Good. And seek peace daily. So we've got hundreds of Heitzers out here watching today. <laughs> what would you say to them? Looking at the camera, what would you say to them about the relational peace? And, and if they've got relationships that have some unresolved conflict in there. I actually did have to write down a few things because obviously I knew some of the questions you were going to ask. <laughs> um, and I, I did write down something, and yeah. I think it's important that in that quiet time, what I was thinking is really important. Yeah. So um, as far as broken relationship advice, I said, uh, the first thing I would say is to forgive yourself for your wrong uh, 
and then, or forgive distancing yourself from someone who did you wrong. Mm -hmm. So forgive yourself of the wrong you may have done and forgive another person of a wrong they did to you. And second, I would say ask God to bring healing uh, and seek it out in his promises. Uh, you know, being in prison almost four years total, um, I was in the word so much. And God's promises is what kept me going, and it's what keeps me going today. And I'll be so honest, even if I don't open the Bible once a month, I, which that's not, it's about every other day. But anyway, because I have to have his promises. Without them, I am just, I'm hopeless. Yeah. I'm hopeless without him. Yeah. And that's the truth. Um, I've opened myself up to so much evil, if you will, that Satan creeps in. I mean, he knows our weaknesses. And without God in my life, it just wouldn't be pretty. And then the third thing, know that God wants to restore uh, restore you. And um, he wants to restore you to him. And then second, uh, he wants you to be in right standing with uh, the broken relationship. So like you said in just a minute ago, if you're not here, you can't be here. Yeah. So yeah. that's so truthful. Yeah. They go hand in hand. They do. Life is short, right? Yes, and, yes. And we have to fight for those relationships. And I've seen uh, a lot of people fight for relationships over the years. And sometimes it works out really well. And sometimes it doesn't. And there's no guarantee or promise of that. But it's worth it. It's worth it. So life is short today. If you want the prognosis of healthy relationships, if you want the prognosis of life, then our relationships are to so tightly tied to that. So don't put it off. Lean in. Do it today. Okay? Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. And yeah. Could I just pray for all of us uh, as we close our gathering today? God, uh, what an incredible story. Donald and Christine and their family and so much forgiveness that's marked in that story. And so many things that they had to continue to, uh, to fight for peace in. Thank you for that. Thank you for allowing real life stories that we can see in these moments. And God, we pray for each person that's out there today, whatever's going on in their life. God, I pray that you would nudge us, that when we would walk away from this gathering, that we would have the conversations that we need to have to begin moving those relationships in the right direction. God, you're good. We love you. We thank you again for this day. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, hopefully, if Snowmageddon doesn't take us out this week, we will be in person next weekend. That's what we're committed to. Uh, but stay tuned. Stay warm. And we love you guys. Have a great week.